What up, all you beautiful Misfits and Rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 196 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Vincenzo Villamena from OnlineTaxMan.com. Vincenzo is an expat living in South America who helps other expats with their tax strategies or helps people just optimize their tax responsibilities. In this episode, we go into how he got started, why he pulled the plug from corporate America, why he chose South America, and then how he's navigated growing his business while living abroad and some of the ups and downs that he's had throughout his many years of being a digital nomad. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are a first-time listener, please pull out that phone and hit subscribe on whatever you're listening to this on, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, whatever it may be. Please hit follow. Please hit subscribe. That really helps me in the algorithms of people searching for different kinds of podcasts to listen to. It just helps me get found a lot quicker. And if you like Misfits and Rejects, Vincenzo and I would love it if you shared this with a friend, possibly somebody who needs his type of service, somebody who is an expat who's seeking help with their taxes, or just somebody who might be interested in living a similar lifestyle as Vincenzo who has a similar skill set like him within the tax industry or something they can take online and provide that type of service to other people out there around the world. And if you like Misfits and Rejects, please feel free to head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop and pick up a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt. I'm capable of sending them wherever you are in the world, so don't hesitate if you're outside of America to go over and grab one. They're super comfortable, and it's always awesome to get photographs of people rocking the Misfits and Rejects logo. So thank you again for listening. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Vincenzo Villamena from OnlineTaxMan.com. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I'm joined by Vincenzo Villamena from OnlineTaxMan.com. Vincenzo, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, brother. Thank you for your time. You are in Brazil right now as we have this conversation, right? I am uh, locked down in Brazil, but uh, you know what? At least I get to walk and see the beach every day, even though I can't go on the beach. But uh, yeah, it's nice out here. How do you feel the Brazilian government's kind of handled this whole quarantine COVID-19 thing? Well, that's a tough question. I mean, listen, you know, I've, I spent a lot of time in Argentina and Colombia, so I have friends there and, and, and their people are, you know, really locked down. They can't leave. They can only leave, leave their house once a, once a week. I mean, here it's, it's a lot more loose, which, you know, ultimately is probably not the best solution for, you know, public health um, and, and, and whatnot. But, you know, personally, I think it's nice because, you know, I get to go out. I mean, obviously I wear masks and I sort of, you know, self-isolate, but, you know, I don't feel like I'm, you know, chained to, to my apartment, right? Um, but we'll see what happens. It's it's definitely getting worse here. And, 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 you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that the Brazil economy is pretty fragile. But, you know, it reminds me seeing what happens. No, I feel you did. And I, I like freedoms and I like, you know, making decisions for myself. And I have a call actually with my Swedish friend this weekend to kind of get real news on how, how Sweden's been handling it, you know, since we're on the street is that they kind of left things open and for people to decide for themselves if they were well enough to just kind of go out and socialize. So I'm interested to hear how that's actually going in Sweden, but yeah, man, I mean, when you say 
it's it's getting worse in Brazil. You speaking economically or uh, virus? I mean, I'm speaking virus, um, and that's only just because you know, again, the, the the news media, especially the states, you know, I'm I'm just getting more people right that are messaging me. Are you okay? Like, you know, maybe you want to come back. This and that. I mean. Personally, it, it hasn't really changed on the ground here, right? I mean, a lot of people in my neighborhood wear masks. Um, you know, the bars and restaurants are still closed other than takeout. So it's pretty much, you know, same old, same old. But, I mean, yeah, are there people on the streets? Definitely. Um, but it's not a normal level of activity. It's still sort of rather limited. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of like this is going to pass. It's going to take some time. So, you don't have to have everyone imprison themselves in their home. I don't think that's uh, the way to go either. Agreed. I agreed. Yeah. Don't come back, bro. Stay in Brazil. I think you're, <laughs> you're in a good spot. It sounds amazing. Right like, now. It um, really is. Let's talk a little bit about that decision to become a digital nomad and how that came to fruition and the, and you know, the steps you took to, were you a corporate guy? Did you have the corporate nine to five and the classic, I, like I read the four. I, I am. Week. I am corporate. I am corporate. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, I started, uh, at PricewaterhouseCoopers, right. So just doing the whole like corporate tax rat race, um, you know, working for you know big Fortune 500 companies, and you know did the Visa IPO, whatever, all this sort of stuff. Did finance for a while, which was another sort of, which I thought was my dream job, right? I wanted to always be, you know, in the private equity buy side, finance, you know, making money in New York, where I'm from. And um, you know what? I just it, it became really overrated. I mean, part of it was. Uh, that, uh, you know, this is all around, you know, 2008 to 2010, where I landed that dream job. And that's when the crisis hit. So, you know, sort of bad timing um, for that. But you know what, I, I did it for a few years. And then and then, you know, long story short, I uh, woke up one day and, uh, you know, the job was not going what according to plan, right? A lot of it had to do with just the economic situation and, and factors. Uh, and I, uh, I decided to move down to Argentina, right? I mean, I had some friends down in Buenos Aires, you know, I visited there, um, just love the, the, the culture. I mean, Buenos Aires is still one of my favorite cities in the world. Just, you know, just has a vibrant like energy and art and restaurant bar scene. Um, and, uh, you know, wanted to go learn Spanish and just sort of, you know, take the plunge down there, even if, uh, you know, I, I'd go back to the U.S. in six months or a year later, but I just, I, I just, I had the calling, right? And for me, um, it was always a matter of, uh, you know, what I could, uh, you know, I could always go back to New York, right? I mean, I could always go back to that accounting corporate lifestyle, but it was just that that timing that, you know, if I'm going to do it, let me do it now. Let me leave my job and just and just take, yeah, take the plunge. And so. Um, you know, end up going back to down to Buenos Aires, um, you know, live with a, a friend down there and uh, just got introduced to the whole expat scene um, and just life in general. Um, and, you know, from there, I, obviously, I was there a few months and I was like, well, you know, now I need to figure out what I'm going to do in my life or what I'm going to do down here if I'm going to make this work. You know, and at that point, as the uh, the savings was, was running low um, and tax season was coming up. I started just doing taxes for, for the expats there, right? And from there, that's when I actually saw this vision of like, hey, you know, people need their taxes done. These expats especially don't know what they're doing. And, uh, 
you know, built a website, built online taxman and, and really just started making a whole living out of it and, 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 uh, uh, you know, marketing it online and Facebook ads and Google ads and so on and so forth. And that's sort of how, uh, how online taxman was born. That's a rad story. I have a few questions related to, uh, your business and how you work it. Cause it's like, are, are there people seeking tax advice when it's not tax season or is it kind of like you just get all your cash at one go when it's tax season and then you kind of sit back and, and cruise the rest of the year? You know what? Like the first couple of years, it was totally like that, right? Where I was just sort of like, okay, let me just do tax season and then I'm going to cruise. Um, but, you know, now, I mean, the company's grown. Now I have employees and, and whatnot. And, and really, uh, we're pretty much busy all year round, right? I mean, you know, once January hits, even as people are still getting their docs, you know, we're, we're taking calls. I mean, we give free consultations. So we get a lot of interest in people that want to be our clients. And then, you know, the, the existing clients, uh, you know, filter in, you know, a few months later. And then even through the summer months, uh, you know, people that uh, are on extension, you know, finally get their act together because they have some free time. And so basically through October 15th, um, it's sort of a consistent flow. Uh, November, December, a little more, a little more relaxed and, you know, do some stuff like internally, you know, take some vacation, some, some self-reflection, some other time. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're talking basically 10 months out of the year. We, we got, uh, we got pretty consistent work. That's rad, dude. I want to jump back into that. Just one quick question before we do, when you did leave, I'd love my audience to hear like how much money did you have saved for that safety net? Because I think that's a point that a lot of people struggle with. It's like, well, how much do I need if I'm just going to cut the cord and like go for it? And like, I have a number. My safety net's like two to three grand. If I have two to three grand in my account, like I'm I'm golden. Um, what was yeah. that? If you don't mind me asking. No, it's cool. It's around fifteen thousand dollars. Okay, sweet. So yeah, that's that's a healthy amount, and um, you can take that to most a lot of countries. I mean, if you went to Europe with that, it'd be you know a little bit different. Here. It'd be spent, it'd but be like spent. yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, in Argentina, especially right now, I mean, all right, well, a lot of South America, you know, the the currency is so uh, just up and down. And Argentina at the time and even right now, again, is pretty, pretty beat down. I mean, you're you know, you could really live and Colombia is like that, too. I mean, you could really live in these countries for, uh, you know, one to two grand. I mean, so when I say I say 15, I mean, that's sort of I look at that as sort of that was my number um that i had and then even that that was what the number that i used to start my business uh and funny story you know the the only reason i actually even had that that amount of money right because i was actually living in new york pretty much paycheck to paycheck but the only reason i had that money was because uh a year prior um i actually got uh hit by a car kind of a minor hit right but i got hit by a car and i broke my leg in New York. Um, and that was the insurance money I got, uh, for, from the insurance company for getting struck by a car. No way, dude. That's <laughs> so funny. I mean, not funny, but yeah, it's totally. interesting how life works. I'm, I'm thankful that you are, uh, okay. Yeah, um, thank you. as you, you know, started and you started building your business and you're just kind of doing taxes for expats. I mean, your, your, your background in, taxes was in the, within the American tax system, right? Yes. So when you started doing taxes for expats, you were what helping them file back in the States based on their current situation as a resident, say of Argentina. Can you kind of explain like how exactly. that works? Okay. 
Yeah, totally. So um, we would basically, and we still do really, you know, handle predominantly U.S. expats. So it's Americans living uh, outside the United States. Um, there's also a lot of foreigners, like uh, like a lot of Argentinos, that um, they didn't want to, let's say, have their money in, in local currency because of the fact that it was uh, you know, fluctuated so much. So, you know, they wanted uh, to open up a U.S. LLC and, and get a U.S. bank account. And let's say they had clients outside of Argentina. So a lot of it, you know, then and even now is also foreigners that want to open up U.S. bank accounts, U.S. LLCs, people that foreigners that might be investing in the United States, uh, so on and so forth. And, and that's still our um, our focus. Um, we, we definitely now actually also uh, help a lot. I just did you a nomad to like structuring. So if they're just. Yeah, let's say not Americans, but either they want to do it in the United States or maybe some of the other uh, places like uh, Hong Kong or or British Virgin Islands or, uh, uh, you know, Singapore, other places. You know, we sort of also assist people on that. Um, but I mean, our bread and butter still is is the U.S. Uh, the U.S. tax system for expats. And that's I mean, you know, obviously I'm American and a licensed CPA in the States. And that's sort of where I'm, you know, trained but, uh, but yeah, over the years, you sort of also branched out a bit. That's cool. Yeah, we've had a few guests on prior to you, like Caitlin DiPaolo. She's also doing kind of the same thing. You are tax structuring for digital nomads, expats, I guess a little different from you. Um, Andrew Henderson, nomad capitalist, you know that guy? Yeah, yeah, Andrew. I work with Andrew a lot. Okay, yeah. So he's been on the show before. And it's just it's a really fascinating industry for me because I'm anxious to be able to um, – avoid my tax responsibility, if you will, in America at some point. I don't make enough money to really dive into that world yet. Uh, but I'd love to hear real news from you, somebody who's in the game. Like, As an American citizen, is is that something now under the new administration that is even possible? Like, Could I structure my life if I was making, say, 250K a year to minimize my tax responsibility like 1% yeah. or, or nothing? Yeah, totally. Well, first off, we don't say avoid. We say optimize. Perfect. Uh, so we, 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 but there are ways to, uh, to structure, to optimize, uh, someone's situation. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, listen, first, if you're, if you're outside the United States, right, if you're an, uh, an expat, so either you're, you know, have a residency in another country, you know, you get a, a visa, you get a, a resident card, you get a local bank account, you sort of have a long-term lease, et cetera. Then you're a bona fide resident of that country. So you don't have to pay the first $107,000 of, uh, of tax, right? And that's uh, called the foreign and income exclusion. So either you're sort of outside and, and living in another country or you are sort of nomadic and then you are only allowed to go to the United States for uh, 35 days in a year. Um, and it could be on any 365 day period. So either or um, method, um, you would qualify and get that first $107,000 uh, tax-free, right? So that's sort of like, the first step for people. Um, then people that have their own businesses, they can uh, think about whether they want to go the U.S. route and they could either do an LLC and and maybe even convert that to an S-Corp. And by having an S-Corp, let's say they would, you know, again, they could still run everything through a U.S. business, pay themselves to a U.S. bank account. But again, if they're abroad and they qualify, they'd still be able to make that first $107,000 tax-free. Um you know, potentially pay some some self-employment tax, which is uh, like Social Security, Medicare. But again, sort of optimize and still have everything in the states. 
you know, if, if, if you want to have it for clients or, you know, ease of banking, et cetera. Right. So that's one option. Then the other option for people is is doing a structure, uh, you know, fully offshore. Right. So somebody who, let's say, again, is, is living outside the United States, um, you know, doesn't really have any intentions of, uh, of moving back, um, at least not in the uh, you know foreseeable future. And uh, they, uh, you know, let's say set up an offshore structure because they have an international company. They have employees around the world. They don't really have any U.S. Uh, presence, so no U.S. office or warehouse or employees. And uh, listen, if they have a legitimate business outside the United States and they're managing it from the from outside the United States, then uh, then they could set up an, an offshore structure, right? And this is sort of what the Apples and Googles of the world have been doing, and we've, you know, kind of hear about it, uh, you know, in the news, et cetera. And uh, you know, it's it's completely legitimate if if you know, for those that, that, that qualify, right? And, and by doing so, um, you could get an effective tax rate of uh, 10.5%, right? Meaning so the company tax rate would be 10.5%. And again, you could pay yourself uh, $107,000 tax-free, um, you know, so on and so forth, and keep the rest uh, in the company and, until you want to take it out and, and pay tax on it and, you know, sort of take it from there. So there are a lot of strategies out there um to optimize uh your tax situation yeah it sounds complicated interesting and obviously i think you know there's a lot of stigma behind it like oh people are cheating but i mean these are the ways that the system has been set up and there's no reason that you can't optimize your 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 structure yeah, it's, you know? it's, it's it's legal and uh you know a lot of the big companies are doing it and and, and people allowed to do it if they qualify i mean you have to just Listen, it's, you know, you still have to report all this to the IRS. Yeah, that's the other thing. You have to, you know, you have to report your foreign bank accounts to the IRS. You have to report your foreign companies to the IRS. It's, it's not, we're not, we're not talking people to, to hide money and, and, you know, it's, it's all, it's, secrecy is, is dead at this point. I mean, it, it's not happening. Um, you know, so it's not about, you know, the game of hide and seek. It's more about the game of show and tell, right? But you do it in a way where, you are uh, structured appropriately and, and, and in an optimized fashion. Let me ask you this, because I had John Lee Dumas on at one point who moved to Puerto Rico because he was getting like a flat tax, I think 3% corporate. And, uh, yeah, 4 4%, 4% sorry. Yeah, and so you're right. when something like that maybe changes, but he moved there for that reason, is he then now responsible to change his structure? Do you have to adapt your structure to the changing uh-huh. tax laws? Yeah, I mean, it's it's important to sort of be be aware of, of, of what's changing. I mean, that's a good one, actually, too. So Puerto Rico is excellent uh, for people that want to, you know, spend spend at least half the year there, um, maybe a little less. But but, you know, Puerto Rico, yeah, as you mentioned, it's four uh, percent corporate tax rate and uh, you get dividends uh, tax free and no capital gains. Um, but, yeah, I mean, these these countries, you know, a obviously it's good to seek professional advice and b it's good to sort of be. Um, aware of, uh, of 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 any changes. I mean, Puerto Rico just passed that that law or sort of a, a, a rehaul, if you will. So that those tax incentives are going to be around for at least 15 years. So you're you're pretty locked in as far as uh, ho- hopefully being able to achieve those for 15 years, barring any changes. But yeah, it's important to sort of 
uh, you know, see the landscape and, and make sure there's nothing that's changing or, or, or what direction uh, things might be headed. Got it. And then being, you know, such a wizard at this as you are, what kind of tax structure do you have for your business as you are a digital nomad living outside of America? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're structured, uh, both in the United States and in, in Hong Kong. So we, yeah, we certainly, uh, you know, practice what we preach when it comes to, uh, when it comes to these sort of structures. Okay. That's rad, dude. Um, is this something you, I mean, you're, are you loving being a tax man? Are you, or, uh, you know, somebody who helps people? I love it. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Listen, for me, you know, it's very rewarding to, to help people, you know, optimize the situation or even somebody who comes to me who hasn't filed in a long time. That's super, you know, anxious and doesn't know what to do. And just like, you know, candidly, I mean, just scared, man. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you, you, at sometimes I feel like I'm almost sort of like a, like a financial therapist, right? Because people come to me with their problems and they don't really know what to do. And yeah, they're scared, they're anxious, they're upset. And, um, you know, listen, we just solve the problem from a reporting standpoint, you know, get them back up to speed or fix whatever uh, issues they might have with the IRS. I mean, they're getting nasty letters about, you know, how the IRS is going to take over their bank accounts and repossess all their their possessions and, and property. And uh, yeah, I mean, people... I mean, listen, people, maybe they had a boo-boo and they, they did something wrong, but it doesn't mean that they, you know, can't be fixed. And so we're sort of come in and, and try and help people fix it and then obviously, you know, plan it for the future. And so, like I said, it is kind of being a ther- therapist and it's interesting because my father was a psychiatrist. So now I'm just doing like a different, a different type of, uh, of help for people. Tax therapy. Yeah. Show and tell. Do that makes yeah. sense. I mean, you can't beat city hall like they say, so you got to fucking play by the rules that they've laid out for you. You got to right? play by the rules, you know, because it's with information sharing and everything these days by the banks and, you know, not just the U S but all these governments, um, it's really is sort of, you know, showing and telling and, 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 you know, just playing, playing by the rules and, and playing right. Do you see yourself um, maintaining life outside of the U S is this like your lifestyle forever? Do you see yourself settling? And I know you love central or South America. Um, have you, have you kind of picked a spot that you see yourself, you know, really planting some roots and, and living out your life? Yeah. You know what? It's uh listen, I mean, at, at this point for the foreseeable future, I do see myself outside the U S and uh, you know, listen, I love the U S um, and yeah, I love going back to New York, but you know, New York itself is, is an intense city. So I, I feel like I'm one of those people that, you know, as much as I love it after a few weeks of, you know, hanging out there, I, I'm ready to leave now. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I'll be outside the U S who knows where, I mean, like I said, South America is sort of my, my jam, but, uh, I also like, uh, I mean, I like Europe too. So we'll see. And what about Asia? I mean, we crossed paths this last year in Thailand. Is that you, you hold that place close to your heart? I like Asia. There's some definitely spots in Asia. I like, you know, the, the, my, my biggest thing with Asia is I can't get over the time zone stuff. And I always find myself working working too late because I got to, because most of the clients and even the people that I work with, the team, if you will, is sort of uh, in the Americas. So yeah, I mean, Europe is fine because I could, I don't mind, you know, working a little later and, you know, place like Spain and Portugal, they're eating dinner at like, you know, eight, like nine, 10 PM at night. And I'm, I'm totally fine with sort of that, uh, you know, time frame. but you know, Asia, it's, it's tough. 
stuff. It's like uh, I like going there for vacation, though. <laughs> totally. Yeah. What uh, yeah. What kind of stuff do you like to do when you you go to Thailand for you know our meetups, DCBKK? Um, are you hitting the beaches after the conference or what? Yeah, I like beaches. So I know you're a surfer. I'm a I'm a kite surfer. So I sort of like to follow the uh, the kite surfing uh, circuit out there. You know, like Boracay in the Philippines and and. Uh, you know, I like I like travel. I like I'm a I'm also sort of a you know pretty spiritual person when it comes to like meditation and 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 whatnot. So I I also sort of like to like we were talking a little bit before about like the digital detox. So you know going to uh you know going to uh, an ashram um you know stuff like that. So I, I like to you know get that fill out in uh in Asia. Have you ever done the Vipassana silent retreat? You know what? It's it's on the agenda. I haven't. Have okay. you? I have not, but I have had a lot of guests on who have talked about it. So I'm always intrigued to hear um, their in, you know, individual experiences because they're all so similar. Man, what did I say? I, I heard it's I heard it's really tough, though. I mean, I heard you're like you're really challenging yourself. Yeah, uh, that says it's like you're going fucking crazy until all of a sudden it stops, and it always stops kind of around they say the third or fourth day. Um, it's just hell. And then third or fourth day, and then all of a sudden this like kind of calm peacefulness starts to come over you and it gets less challenging. And then by the end, you're just like in this zone of like focus and like presence. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if I could do it, dude. I mean, my, one of my last guests talked, who talked about it was talking about how she really got to observe her mind, just berating her, the negativity, just like the self hate, like every second of every day and the physical pain of just sitting in one spot, you know, that's another one of the challenges. And that just sounds kind of scary, dude. <laughs> you know, like I don't it know. does, it does. I, I, you know, listen, I'm, I'm, I like challenges, so it, it's, it's scary, but yet like even more fascinating, right? You basically, you know, even, I was already sold, but you sort of like resold it. Like, all right, I need to, I need to sort of prioritize this oh, really? uh, and get this sort of on the, uh, on the agenda this summer. So that's awesome. On the um, the kite surfing tip, I I'm a surfer. I enjoy surfing a lot. I love to learn kite surfing. When it comes to kite surfing, are there sort of like unspoken, unwritten rules of the road when you're out there kiting around? You know, obviously surfers have their their code of conduct in the water. Do you have something similar? Yeah, uh, we do. But I've I've actually heard that I think surfing there's a lot more sort of rules uh, when it comes to like you know waiting in the lines and 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 you know yeah I think I think the kite surfing community from what I've understood from people that are sort of do both yeah. is that it's a little it's a lot more it's a lot more chill right you know I mean the community sort of yeah a lot more relaxed I mean there's stuff about you know you know when you see people who have a helmet you know then you know that they're beginners so sort of steer clear of them mm-hmm. um you know and and i think well i mean surfing stuff too but you know kite surfing it's it's such a commitment right so i think people really respect each other when it comes to uh kite surfing and and you know because it, it takes a lot to learn i mean it's not a it's not an easy sport to learn how long did it take you i heard three months is kind of learning curve to get to a place where you can like go out and like zip around yeah, I mean, I would say this, right? You know, it's with kite surfing, you really need to dedicate some time, right? I mean, it's almost like you need to dedicate if you're going to do it. Like, go to a, a place like Boracay in the Philippines, which is where I learned, and I think that's an excellent place. I think there's like Cabarete and like the Dominican Republic's another good learning spot. Like, go to a a, a, a place where a you know it's relatively shallow and, and and not a lot of waves in the water, 
and uh, and go there for at least a week, right? If not more. And the point is, is that kite surfing is sort of like a gradual buildup. So, you know, you've got to dedicate your, you know, really a whole vacation to learning it, right? Because it's, you know, I did it sort of, oh, like, let me do a couple days here. And then, and then I, you know, a few months or six months or plus, I, I didn't do it, right? And, and sort of I, so it took me a lot longer because I sort of did it really piecemeal over a couple of years. Um, but if you do it over, you know, yeah, like a week or 10 days, um, then you'll actually start really zipping towards the end of the week and uh, be able to, to do it. And what about fitness level? Um, for example, like as a, a surfer, you know, I've been surfing 30 years and I can surf, but there's always that fitness level that if I don't have it, getting back in, it takes me about two weeks. Like getting to my feet is always slow or I blow a lot more waves. What kind of fitness level do you have to have to just jump back on the board and, and zip around like you, you do? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, listen, when you're learning, it's always, there's a little bit of like a refresh for like the first day, but it's, it's, it's pretty similar to skiing in that, in that regard, right. Or boarding for, you know, we're like, yeah, maybe you're rusty for like the first, uh, you know, the, the early, you know, the, the, the morning time or the first couple hours. Um, but you know, once you're sort of, you know, quote unquote experienced, you know, you're, you're pretty much back in it, uh, relatively quickly, maybe just a little rusty at the beginning. Right. And now when you learned in the Philippines, is that where you kind of locked in with the DC crew and, and joined them? Um, I've done the DC thing for, for a while and, uh, you know what, it was just one of those things that, um, someone recommended to me, uh, both for, you know, business perspective, because of the fact that a lot of the uh, DCers need, need help and sort of fall within uh, my realm. And just also, uh, from a, a lifestyle travel perspective. So it's been like eight, eight, eight plus years I've done the DC thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's, I did DC BKK a few times and sort of, you know, it's a good community when you travel around, uh, you know, you could sort of meet people locally. And get right. plugged in. Right. Yeah. And just for anybody listening who hasn't heard me speak about this in the past episodes, DC stands for Dynamite Circle. It's a paid online group that we are both members of that, for me personally, sounds like you as well. The networking aspect of it has just been game-changing. Awesome. You have, yeah. You have tons of clients in the DC, and I have made tons of friends at this point. So um, really cool p- people, I think. And, I mean, it's such a unique group. I feel I haven't joined tons, but... I feel like they've really captured the essence of and the ethos of like what it means to be an on, online entrepreneur and digital nomad. Would you agree? Um, I would agree, actually. Yeah, I think it's it's it is unique in that you know what it, it sort of combines like the traveling and and, and sharing uh, experiences, you know, leisurely, if you will, as with as well as sort of the business, right? And everyone's trying to help each other and you know do offers and and and. Yeah, and sort of help each other get better business-wise. So it's a yeah, it's a cool group. Super. If anyone who's going out, like who's going to try and do this, this whole uh, digital nomad thing, I think would would benefit from it. Yeah, actually. Um, Have you done the co-living stuff as you've traveled around? Um, you know what? Not a not as much. Um, no, I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like that's actually bigger in, in Asia than, than I've just never really had like a real opportunity to do it candidly. Um, I'm, I'm down for it, but it's never really kind of crossed it where the stars align with dates and travel and all that. Have you? Um, I mean, my whole lifestyle has been 
co-lived, I guess, but not in like a, a paid seeking out sort of way. You know, like he lived in a very kind of communal, not hippie setting, but like we all just because we were just kids living on the beach, you know, in our early 20s in Nicaragua, like lived in a house together and shared rooms and stuff like that. So I've kind of, yeah, always, yeah. you know, operated like that. I mean, as I move around the world now, I'm doing like $10 a night Airbnbs. I like my personal space. I don't want to share a room with anybody. I want my private bathroom kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've done like the roommate thing for a while. Um, and I still do it sort of like, you know, if I go a place, I know somebody or this and that. But yeah, I haven't done like the full like community entrepreneur living together thing for a month or whatever they do. Yeah, as you're building your business in Argentina and you were needing, you know, employees, were you just going on sites like Upwork and pulling, you know, capable people off of there? Um, no, I uh, just because what I do is so, um, you know, specialized, right? So when I first started, uh, I actually was doing it sort of like a like an outsourcing thing, right? And and this is something that. I've, Everything up to the the, the big four, um, you know, the the, the big uh, the big accounting firms, you know, essentially outsourced to India, and so uh, I was sort of going and, and 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 found a firm and was working with them uh, for a couple of years um, while I was just a one man shop, and then as I grew and I took on a business partner and and you know we started building it up. I've, we've really just uh, you know recruited people um, to work for us. Uh, you know, people reach out to us, they find us. Um, we also look to people, you know, who work at these big firms that do expat taxes um, that want to that want to change their lifestyle. You know, I mean, that's really what it is. It's, you know, somebody who's well experienced and, and you know, working in a, in, in a New York or wherever and want to, you know, try to do something different. And that's sort of how we've, we've built up the team the last few years. And um it's been good, but I'll tell you, if you want to talk about maybe the biggest business challenge I've faced, um, it's by far the, uh, you know, the having a team, managing people, recruiting, hiring, building a culture. I mean, that I think is, is a true challenge. And then not just for me, I mean, I think for any entrepreneur. Yeah, my question also was going to be about your business partner. Why, why did you choose to bring on a business partner when it seems like I mean, you had the knowledge to just kind of like build it out on your own. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. It's, uh, you know, my business partner was a friend of mine, right? And uh, an old friend from university. And so, um, you know, it just so happened that I was in, I was in Buenos Aires. He was in, uh, he was in, you know, cold Chicago. It was like, uh, you know, February. And uh, here I am like poolside hanging out. And uh, we were talking about maybe him helping me doing some taxes that year because at that point I, I needed somebody to to sort of, um, you know, just offload some returns, right, just like I was doing uh, with the outsourcing firm. And um, you know what? He, he kind of just said, hey, you know what? Why don't I come down there? Um, and he really took the plunge to come down to Argentina and, 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 and you know, work with me that tax season. And I'll be forever grateful for that because I think it really worked out for both of us um, because we're able to sort of, you know, take the business to the next level. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if partners are for everybody. Um, it wasn't like I was seeking out a partner, but I think that if you find the right partner, it, it really uh, makes a difference uh, because, you know, between me and him, 
you know, we uh, have very different personalities and we really balance each other. So the stuff that I do, he doesn't want to do. And the stuff that he does, I don't want to do. And we both do taxes, but sort of from a operation standpoint, marketing standpoint, uh, we're very different. And we sort of balance each other out. We balance each other out a lot. And that is, uh, you know, obviously really, really crucial. Yeah, I've heard that a few times, and that makes the most sense. I think uh, having somebody who either does the things that you don't like to do, and vice versa, or their skill set is such that you don't have that skill set, and you need their skills within the business structure. Because that's how it worked for me in Nicaragua. I had three business partners, and we all had such unique skill sets that nobody could fill within that structure. Yeah. That it just—it was an amazing partnership. And they say, you know, if you're going to have partners, you want at least three that's kind of the ideal so you can always have the tiebreaker but um you know the four for us was perfect and we just operated so cohesively together just because everyone had such unique skills that couldn't be matched by anybody else in the partnership yeah no listen as long as you have flow that's what matters and so we have flow you have flow that's it what about your entrepreneurial spirit, man? Like, did you grow up with a family of entrepreneurs? Was this something that you always aspired? Because I know you found your dream job in the corporate world and then you gave it all up to uh, swing the bat at entrepreneurship. Can you talk a little bit about that? Totally. I, uh, no, I didn't grow up with any entrepreneurs in my family. In fact, uh, my family's mostly, uh, you know, well, it's a combination of actually doctors and, 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 and contractors. So, so everyone, everyone sort of always had a, you know, day job or, or, or whatnot. Um, and, uh, but you know what, I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit and I think, uh, it really goes back to, um, you know, I, I took an entrepreneurship, uh, an entrepreneurship class, uh, in college. And I think that was really inspiring for me. And, uh, you know what? I, I just always wanted to sort of be different, right? And 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 try to uh, you know do my own thing and not and not go the the the, the main path, you know. And and my um, I mean, my family's always been supportive, uh, you know. Friend, yeah. I've just it's always been sort of just that was my path. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you sort of know it. I think I I knew from you know even when I first started working that that wasn't going to be the life for me. Uh, and then it just sort of, you know, like I mentioned, said before, things just sort of came together, you know, fell into place a bit. Yeah. It seems to be one of the core tenets of many of these beautiful misfits and rejects that I talked to of that just needing to do what you want to do, you know, whether it's you're drawn there, you know, that it's your life's path or whatever it is, but it's just like, there's something in you that just is like, this is the only way for me to live and you just do it, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like I said, I think it's sort of if you have that that spirit, that discipline, or even just that that urge, you know, you just have to go for it. And listen, I mean, when people's backs are against the wall, they figure things out, you know. And you have to have that sort of like survival instinct, like I'm going to do this or I'm going to make this happen. And as long as you have that instinct, things will work out. And that's 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 the bottom line. Yeah, thanks for saying it that way. And I love uh, this conversation right now for anybody out there who is like um, a tax strategist in America whose life situation has been turned upside down due to COVID-19. You know, like this is a great story for anybody to start thinking about their life situation and possibly make that change. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and the interesting part is, is the silver lining on the whole COVID situation is that I think a lot of people are going to either, you know, potentially – 
you know, be entrepreneurs or try and start something, or at the very least, uh, the remote working arrangement is going to change. I mean, the whole dynamic of, you know, now people are working at home, you know, maybe they like it, maybe they even see that they're more productive at home. Um, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, the work at home option is going to be a lot more prevalent, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously going to be great for, you know, people that want to be uh, digital nomads. I think it's going to be great for, uh, you know, the environment because it's going to be less uh, cars and pollution. Um, yeah. And hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll happen. For sure. Yeah. Interesting times ahead. Do you have any other hobbies that you do other than kite surfing? Um, no, just mainly travel. And, uh, you know, I always like to, you know, learn things. So like learning new languages, uh, you know, the whole like self-reflection meditation thing. Yeah. Reading that sort of stuff. How many languages are you speaking these days? I got four. Fuck yeah, bro. Good job. (laughs) That's how that, can you name them for (laughs) us? Oh yeah. Sorry. It's, uh, English, Italian, Spanish, and Portuguese. Wow. Well done. How long has it taken you to acquire all four? Uh, I mean, listen, it's, it's been over some, some time. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the biggest thing is obviously immersion, right? So I've sort of been, you know, immersed in them and, you know, Portuguese has sort of been the, the, the most recent one of all of them. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's once you, once you get one down and once you sort of almost get the process for learning language down, um, yeah, it sort of starts to flow and, and, and the other ones the the process becomes easier. Mm. Yeah, dude. If, um, you know, you could talk to one listener out there who is interested in, in designing their life similar to you, becoming location independent, starting an online business, even just traveling for the first time. Could you say that, say anything to them to inspire them to take that first step? Yeah, I mean, listen, I would just say, uh, you know, everyone, you know, forgets that you could always go back to where you were before, right? I mean, you know, you could always sort of, um, you know, have that, that nine to five lifestyle, but taking, taking that leap of faith, right? And, and taking the plunge and going into, you know, lifestyle, I mean, the, the, the benefits um, are endless, and even if it doesn't work out or, you you know, maybe you don't like it, et cetera, you could always go back to where you were. And so I think, um, you know, doing this lifestyle and, 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 and taking the plunge is really limited uh, downside risk and uh, the upside's infinite. And so, you know, when people actually think about it, like on, the, on those lines, I think that there's, you know, obviously should be more and more people that that try and take that leap of faith. Yeah, dude. I love it. Well said. And then just one more question before you, because I'm interested. What is it that travel gives you that you find so fulfilling from traveling? I think it's the ability to connect to other cultures, um, you know, learn from other people and, you know, in turn, you know, make us better humans. Right. And so, yeah, being able to to share experiences with others and, and learn from those experiences, learn from the interactions, learn from the uh, the uh, uh yeah, different people and, and sort of be more abundant uh, in your knowledge and spread that abundance. Nice, Vincenzo. Yeah, folks, check him out at onlinetaxman.com. Thank you so much for your time, Vincenzo. We appreciate you.
Yeah, no, totally. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Awesome, Vincenzo. Thank you so much for joining me. What a cool story. Love the fact that you're living your dream in South America. You're getting to kite surf, still travel, and you have a thriving business getting to do what you love. Huge inspiration to me and all the other listeners out there who are striving for a similar kind of lifestyle or just striving to break out of the nine to five and start that lifestyle that they've always dreamed of. Remember, if you're a first time listener, please pull out that phone, hit subscribe, hit follow on whatever app you're listening to this on. And if you like this episode and you want to share with a friend, or if you like it so much that you want to give us a five-star review, Vincenzo and I would really appreciate it. Thank you again so much. I think you all are so beautiful and looking forward to see you in next week's episode, Monday morning, 9 a.m. as usual. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.